0: There's North, that's that's near Goose Island.
1: Oh, the name of it? Uh, it's called all right. um,
0: all right, yeah,
1: just, um, do it that way uh, Metropolitan. Okay. Metropolitan Brewing. And
0: what's funny is that I was gonna search by the river. I was just like, I'm gonna go up the river until I see something, <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, you know the name of the fucking place. <laughs> Well, that's always suits for shit when we were kids though like that I know I was just like, okay, so there's Goose Island right here by the river. <laughs> so there's North Avenue. it? North Avenue the street <laughs> <laughs> Well,
1: hello
0: and welcome to bromancing the stone it's the podcast for myself renee sanchez and my good buddy max Lyon, what up watch rom-coms and then immediately put our thoughts into the interwebs for your listening pleasure and max how are you doing on this gloomy sunday afternoon in chicago Uh,
1: I'm sitting here pretending like it's 80 degrees on a fucking beach somewhere in the Caribbean. (laughs) My pitcher of mimosas and... Yeah, just imagining sunshine outside and not lightning that is lighting up my apartment.
0: Um, How are you? I'm doing well. I had trouble sleeping last night because it was so fucking humid. My yeah. god, uh, Like, and I live in an apartment with no centralized air one way or the other. Your,
1: your AC poor, still poor. didn't help?
0: Well, the thing is, my bed is by my window, which is where my AC unit is, and the cold air is going over the top of me, mm. and it's like, I had to either move my bed to the complete middle of my apartment so that the air would kind of fall on me or just kind of roll with it as it's... So. Oh, so it would just bypass
1: you entirely?
0: Yeah, so, like, I'm <laughs> laying under the cold air. And, like, the cold <laughs> air is just going above me and then to the rest of the room. Um, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, it was just the, a lot of, you know, waking up every two hours because I'm, like, just... Stuck to my bed with sweat and everything. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. I had I slept like that the other night too. It it's been. I've not been sleeping that well last yeah. few weeks. Yeah. You know, the and weather
0: pandemics will do that to you, huh? Pandemics will do that
1: to you. Pandemics it's will funny. do that to you. Yeah, global catastrophes and um, <laughs> the potential end of all humanity. Yeah, no big deal.
0: <laughs> well, you know if. With all these, you know, population numbers going down, we're going to need people to procreate, much like the Greeks do.
1: Oh, my God.
0: My big fat Greek wedding. Jesus. (laughs) How? How do you make them worse every week? I don't prepare these. I don't prepare these. I literally just go off the fucking cuff and find a way.
1: Oh, my God. This is like your signature move here. Just like. Yeah.
0: I do not prepare these. I will not prepare these. I will continue to do this off the fucking cuff. I don't care. Anyway. So our most recent film and Wedding Season, which is almost over, uh, and it's been a lot tougher than I expected it to be. Uh, But, yeah, the latest film we're watching is My Big Fat Greek Wedding, uh, which is a 2002 independent romantic comedy film directed by Joel Zwick, and written by Nia Vardalos, who's also the star uh, of the film, and she plays Fotula Tula Portokalos, a Greek-American woman who falls in love with a non greek Ian Miller, played by John Corbett. How dare she? (laughs) The film received generally positive reviews from critics, and at the 75th Academy Awards, it was nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Really? Yes. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, I mentioned the two leads, Nia Vardalos and John Corbett. Also, uh, Lanny Kazan, who I believe plays the mother. Uh, Michael Constantine, who plays the father. And then Gia Caritas, who is the cousin Nikki, the, the hot co- uh, girl cousin. Uh, Louis Mandalore, who is the younger brother. Uh, Andrea Martin, who plays uh, Aunt Fula? Aunt Fula, had, yeah. Yeah, the one who had a twin. Um, oh yeah, the twin <laughs> iron. Yeah, and then uh, Joey Fat one. I don't know. Who that yeah. is. Uh, Joey Fatone, who plays uh, cousin Nikki's brother, so a cousin to the main character, aka the
1: voice of Family Feud.
0: <laughs> Wait, really?
1: Yeah, I remember he was the um, he was the guy that always introduced Steve Harvey.
0: I did not know that.
1: I mean, it was I always remember it because he forcefully reminded you that it was him every episode it was like hey everybody this is joey fatone welcome to family feud it's like i I don't care who you are i can't even see you it's just the voice
0: i feel like the production team probably paid a bunch of money to get him to do that and they're just like look your name is going to be put on this somehow even if we're not showing you
1: yeah
0: (laughs) like we're going to make sure that we're getting them as much money as possible out of out of this they probably use the same recording each time. Probably. probably. Uh, yeah. Uh, the movie was uh, released uh, independently in the United States initially in April on um, April 19th of 2002. And then it was released in Canada on August 16th, 2002. And also in August, it became a widespread release, summer release, after uh, being in independent theaters. Um, okay, so if, we'll this talk...
1: is, if this is 2002, why the fuck does it look like mid-90s hairdos all over the damn place?
0: Uh, I'm going to assume the Greek heritage. Also, Mia well, Vardalos was not 30 years old when this film was made. Um, how old was she? She was a little bit older. I believe. Uh, okay. Let me pull that up. Yeah, she was born in 62. Hmm. So she was 40 when this film was. Oh, really? So when they were filming it, I'm sure she was like 39. Like the year before. So that's that's like
1: you and me going back and trying to play a 22-year-old.
0: Yeah, it'd be like me trying to play a 22-year-old in like now times. And I'm like, you know still wearing whatever the fuck we were wearing in 2010. What were we wearing? Cargo shorts? I don't, I mean, I'm still wearing cargo shorts. So I-, <laughs> <laughs> so I have no room to talk. I don't know. I've never been up on fashion. So. Oh, what
1: about those? Um, oh, those. Uh, what even were they? Those like weird pastel colored plaid shorts that were like,
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Like they had like patterns. Yeah. Like yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They were so, like the predecessor they, to the pastel wardrobe of bros yeah. today.
0: Yeah, and and like, I think that was still around. Uh, I mean, that's still around the time where popping your collar was still a thing. Oh my god. Like too. Yeah. Because I mean, that rap song by Three Six Mafia, "Popping My Collar," I think was like late 2000s so oh my god so yeah we would be walking around with pop collars and plaid shorts trying to be 22 in twenty twenty.
1: <laughs> there was also the brand advertisement shirts all over like hollister and oh of
0: course hollister Air
1: apostle and A- yeah. abercrombie and
0: american eagle
1: american eagle oh my god do those even exist
0: anymore i don't know i literally don't know I, I still
1: have a not. Hollister shirt from those days that I sleep in because it's so comfortable. But
0: <laughs>
1: if I wore it, I can't even wear it downstairs to the lobby to go do my laundry. <laughs> like I'm just like, don't no, I can't.
0: no, I don't want anyone seeing this. this so the film was made on a budget of five million dollars. That's it. Yes, as oh, I mentioned, so. it was an independent film. So, yeah. it was. Now, it was based off of a um, play that Nia Vardalos had created. Uh, it was, a, I believe it was a one-woman show. I um, mean, yeah, it was a one-woman play written by and starring Vardalos, and it was performed for six weeks in Los Angeles in, in 1997. Hmm. Um during that, Rita Wilson, wife of Tom Hanks, who's also of Greek origin, saw it, loved it and drugged or and dragged Tim it <laughs> dragged Tom Hanks Jesus uh, and dragged Tom Hanks to go see the play with her. uh Tom Hanks loved you it. sure she
1: didn't drug him? Shut up
0: she might have so, Uh, And so the production company might have seen on their playtone That was actually Rita Wilson and Tom Hanks's production
1: company. Oh, I did see that.
0: Yeah. And so uh, they put it out again as for another six weeks in a bigger theater in L.A. as far as the play was concerned. And then they started developing it for film and it took a few years, but then they finally got it out Um, and they made it for a, measly five million dollars and how much did it make in the worldwide box office
1: Hmm. well okay i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna apply a formula to this one here because going off past movies you've mentioned that if they make a sequel that means it's successful mm-hmm. Where they made a sequel
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i'm gonna say that it made a decent amount of money I want to say over a hundred million. So I'm going to go like, yeah, I'm going to go with like 110 million.
0: Okay. Before I give you the answer, if you got to ask, how long is the movie?
1: Um, thankfully much shorter than the last few. Yes. Uh, I don't know. Hour and a half.
0: Yeah. 95 minutes. It is the perfect amount of time.
1: It It is a perfect
0: amount of time. It is so quick. You don't realize you're spending an hour and a half with them. By the time I, like, the first time I did a time check, it was halfway done, and I was just like, what? Yeah. We're like 20 minutes in. Yeah. We're 45. It's it's a very fast-paced, well-done movie.
1: Agreed. It's got Uh, a great pace to it.
0: Yeah. But the box office. Oh, boy. It made... A worldwide $368.7 million dollars. Holy fuck. <laughs> yeah. So you remember when I said that it was initially an in independent cinemas and then went for a summer-wide release in August? That brings me to my first story of this film. Uh, the first time I watched this film was at in Salem, Oregon at Salem cinema. So first off, shout out to Salem cinema. I hope you're still open. during. <laughs> I was going
1: to yeah. say, which probably doesn't I know. I, well. I, I,
0: I'm like, I'm hoping to praying for them. Like, cause I love like what, what I, I love. Salem cinema. Salem cinema was the art house theater in Salem. So it had, okay. it had, it was in this odd building that was so it was like next to like a kid's like preschool shop bring by like little like kids material. so is this weird wait, odd... wait, 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 preschool shop yeah like it's it looked that way it was like one of those like little kids shops So like maybe like a baby shop like where you could get like baby
1: you could like, buy children
0: yeah no um <laughs> fucking you buy like like bassinets and all that other shit you know Okay. Um, anyway, so there's so basically it was in the I think it was called the Pringle Parkade. So it was like this big, like three story parking garage, basically, that had these like little tiny shops on the bottom. And one was this uh, like baby material shop I said mentioned. And then there's another door that took you in to the Salem Cinema. And, like, you went in and it was just, like, this nondescript, like, did I think, like, the billboard for Salem Cinema was literally under the second level. Of, so you had to, like, drive down a particular street to even see what movie they were playing. It was, like, tucked in this fucking dark corner of Salem. That you, it was just not <laughs> noticeable unless you knew, you know what I mean. But then once you get in, you got to have like, the connection and know the password. Yeah, you got to know the like. And when you get in, you and, you know you pay for your movie. Like it was legit. Like someone had a fucking cash register who gave you like a red ticket and like ripped it in half and then gave you the half and that was your stub. Nice. And like, and, like then there'd be someone like right next to them that was at the fucking concessions and like it was one of those where like popcorn was like you know even in 2000s it was like two dollars you know it was like they were reasonably priced but also much smaller sized and then you go in and then you go into the theater and it was just a small probably like 100 seat theater with a big old screen and that was salem cinema that's it Mm. (laughs) It just like you go in you pay literally two steps later you have the concession stand and then five steps later you're in the theater picking a seat (laughs) it's just this small fucking place But that's where they had all the independent films. That's where I saw um, Life is Beautiful, which is a movie that we will not do on this podcast. <laughs> um, but that was the uh, Roberto Benigni movie where he won you know, Best Screenplay and Best Director at the Academy Awards for that one because it's set in the Holocaust about how he's hiding the Holocaust from his son and the fact that they're in a concentration camp. Oh. It's in it. And it's an Italian subtitle film. Yeah, I still remember it to this day. and Yeah, that would be I, a little scarring. And I only saw it once. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. Um, other films I saw there. Uh, but I remember seeing this film, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, with my mom and my sisters. I think both of them were there with me. So, like, all four of us as a family went and saw this film. I mean, that seems
1: fitting for the movie.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and just remember, like, we went and saw it because it kept getting these rave reviews. It kept getting write-ups in the newspaper and everything. So we went and saw it like a month after it had been released in the Salem cinema. It stayed in the Salem cinema through the summer. Like they did not change the movie. It wow. did so much. It did so much business for that theater that they did not move on to another independent film for months. They just, that was the theater you went wow. to go see this
1: movie. In. So it really it, like,
0: did that, get a lot of attention it got a whole lot of attention that summer. to so the point where then in August, as I mentioned, when they did a wide release, then Sandy 11, which was the new theater at the time in Salem, finally put it on one of their screens. And so people could go there and then Salem cinema finally moved on to a different movie. They moved on to the Holocaust. <laughs> it's just another Holocaust film. <laughs> uh, 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 no, but um yeah, Salem Cinema ended up moving on to a different building in a different area of Salem, where they actually had three screens. And so no it was sure. actually, yeah, there was like, um, it was just like a business building, but the first floor was Salem Cinema. So they they had two theaters with two screens. They had Fucking a main, sellouts, <laughs> a main one, and then. Uh, uh, at least two screens, maybe three. I think there was a third around the corner, but I never went into the third theater. I just did the other two.
1: The third was in I'm the back there. parking lot, up against the brick wall. <laughs> it, was like the
0: quarter, it was like around the corner. It was like around the corner past the restroom, I think, or something like that. Um, no, uh, but um, yeah, I, Salem Cinema is also what a, a theater where I've I went and watched three movies in one day, two with my mom and one by myself. Nice yeah that was a that was a cool day <laughs> it was just like going up going up and just being like ah, i'm gonna buy three movie tickets today <laughs> those Thank
1: were you. those were the good old days of of being a kid or a teenager in oregon and just like going to your local cinema and watching movies with friends and mm-hmm. those were fun
0: i agree uh, but do you have a first memory with this film
1: um, I do. I The only time I've ever seen it was also a long-ass time ago. It was my, well, I was going to say my mom, but I think it was, God, I think it was both my parents. Holy fuck, this really was a long time ago if they were actually amicable enough to be in the same house together. Wow. Okay. Um, um, uh, we went out. Uh, we we went out to the Oregon coast, and we we stayed at a cabin on the coast that belonged to one of my mom's friends. And in this quaint little cabin, they had a, a small movie collection, and one of them was my big fat Greek wedding. And of course, the first night that we were there, there was a huge. Uh, I'm hesitant to say thunderstorm because Oregon didn't really have thunderstorms. It was like a coastal storm. Um, But we stayed shuttered in and uh, we had to figure out what to do. We played a couple board games and then as the evening went on, we threw on my big fat Greek wedding because I think my mom wanted to watch it. I think she'd heard a bunch of stuff about it or maybe one of her friends had told her about it or something like that. And so we put it on and I... God, I must have been – that must have been back in like sophomore year of high school. So I was not – I didn't care. I was not into the movie at all. I was like – my mind was elsewhere. (laughs) My mind wasn't even elsewhere. My mind barely existed. It was mostly just hormones at at that point.
0: Yeah, you're 14 going on 15.
1: Yeah. I think, no, at that point, I, I was probably, like, 16.
0: It came out in 2002, though. Oh, wait, did you watch it you watching? Wa-
1: yeah, we watched it on DVD, so it had been out a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I think all I was doing was probably fantasizing about my high school girlfriend at the time. I'm, like, wishing I was with her instead of stuck in this house with my parents and yeah. watching this movie. So. just
0: aching for another for a rematch. Cause you knew the next <sighs> time you could beat her in that wrestling match.
1: I really regret telling you that story. <laughs> God damn it. I mean you're not wrong.
0: Was that, was that the first time you'd heard that story? Did you know that? Uh, yeah, I, that was the first time. When you told me on the podcast, it was the first time I'd heard that story.
1: Okay, God damn it! See, I gotta stop divulging stuff on this book.
0: No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't, buddy. Hmm. The tens and tens of listeners require you to open your heart.
1: Oh, that was fun, though. I haven't, ha- haven't found a, a girlfriend since that is willing to kick my ass that well.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
0: but yeah, I'll that's. your heart <inaudible> to me, baby. Anyway. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm almost one beer deep. <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> I'm almost a pitcher deep. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Every time I drink mimosas, still to this day now, all I keep thinking of is F.O. Mahoney's. and there's a part of me that gets so giddy and happy and and simple with mimosas but there's a small part of me that remembers that day at least the first five minutes of it until we were done with the first couple pitchers. yeah and cringes every time i see mimosas
0: (laughs) so f.o mahoney's is a bar in chicago Uh, It's still open. Um, They're surviving. Is it open right now? Uh, I'm pretty sure they're doing food because they do food. Oh, like takeout? Yeah. Um, And then they have a little patio area, so I'm sure they're trying to schlep booze out to people Mm. on the sidewalks. Um, But yeah, it's literally next block up from my apartment. I can stumble there and stumble is the operative word mm-hmm. i can stumble to and from um one time i got uh max and his then lady friend to join me for a sunday brunch that deal that they had for 25 you could get a breakfast meal which was pretty good they they make pretty good food there yeah it was pretty solid yeah and bottomless mimosas because that is a common thread Within through this city. Yeah, basically this that the mimosas are bottomless on Sundays.
1: Not just not just mimosas. This city loves to drink. Yes. So if you go to a place that doesn't have some sort of alcoholic deal at some point in the week or at some point in the year, it's not a real place.
0: And they, they obviously don't
1: prioritize alcohol, so they're not even worth it.
0: <laughs> so uh with what we didn't realize is that since there were three of us, that our waitress was going to be trying to up that tip as much as possible. So she was bringing us a carafe. So <laughs> those who have been to like breakfast places before understand like getting a carafe of orange juice or right. even, even like a carafe of like water. Right. And you know what those little pictures are like, it's not quite a whole pitcher with like an arm, but it's that, thing with like the neck that tapers off and then you can pour out stuff
1: also weren't we drinking mimosas out of pint glasses not
0: champagne glasses um yeah it was either like pint glasses just like glasses normal like cocktail glasses yeah yeah.
1: so they held more volume than a champagne glass so every time you poured into your glass with even three people you know, yeah. at least half the carafe would be gone on the first pour to the table. Yeah. So she and would so, keep bringing the carafe before it was even empty.
0: And so we're just all chatting and just having a good time. And we've eaten our meal and we're just and there's a bunch of screens. So you can like watch sports or watch whatever while you're chatting. And, um, you know, we're just pouring the carafe into our glasses and continue chatting. And like a thief in the night, she just keep. The waitress keeps coming by and putting down a new carafe. Yeah, she and wouldn't so even tell finish. us. She would just move yeah, in and boom. we finish, finish our glass and we pour. You know, we, it just became a thing. We're like, you finish your glass, you pour some more. You finish your glass, you pour some more. So this deal goes from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m.
1: Four fucking hours.
0: And we showed up at 10 a.m. because we were going to get the most out of it. I believe, we, and the key word is believe, that I left at one. Yeah. I think we all left at one. We did. We did not make it the full four hours.
1: I remember I, pushing Christy into a, an Uber and <laughs> because she didn't know how to get into it.
0: <laughs> but, I remember you guys getting into the Uber.
1: But then... I also didn't know how to get into it. So she pulled me in (laughs) (laughs) and I, the entire ride home slept on her lap. (laughs) 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 Like I think I entered the car horizontally. Like as she's pulling me in, I just tipped over And then she just pulled me head first into the back. And then that's just how I like stayed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I got, I don't know how I got home. Luckily it's a legitimate 50 steps from door to door, (laughs) door of my building to door of this bar. I don't know how I walked those 50 steps. I don't recollect those 50 steps, but I somehow transported from the bar to my building, got up into my apartment, uh, I think maybe sat down for a, a brief second, then went to my restroom and peeped.
1: Wait a second. Wait a second. Was that... Did we also have a fantasy baseball draft that day?
0: I was literally, that was the next part of my story. Oh, my God. So, that was the same day? This was in March of 2016. And so the same day, we were having our fantasy baseball draft. Holy that
1: night. fuck.
0: For some I, reason, I
1: always thought that was from, like, St. Paddy's Day celebration or something. But no, that wouldn't no, have made sense because I would just, not have scheduled a draft on St. Paddy's Day.
0: Yeah, it was from this. So <laughs> I got home. I puked. I took a nap and then after napping for a good four hours or so, I went over to your place and (laughs) I was there with Mike, Mike bench shout out to him. Oh yeah. Uh, And he and I were watching uh, NCAA tournament basketball and drafting on our laptops. He brought Bud lights over so that helped me with my hangover. It actually just helped me like maintain so that I wasn't hungover. I was just like buzzed. <laughs> so I was just crushing Bud Lights. You and your then girlfriend were laying in your room next to the living room that Mike and I were in. In the dark.
1: Yes, pitch dark. Like it was, I had the brightness on my laptop turned all the way down and I would close it when it was a player that I didn't want to draft. (laughs) Because every time I opened it, Christy and I would moan and like, oh my God, please. It's too bright. (laughs) It's too bright. This hurts. (laughs) And I couldn't even, like half the time I couldn't even see what player I was drafting because I was squinting so much that I was like, oh, I just, I can't see. Oh my God. That was... I think I – I want to say we fell asleep like halfway through the draft too.
0: I wouldn't be surprised.
1: But, oh my god.
0: I think that was (laughs) – that might have
1: been the year I – the last time I won actually.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See? That's what you just need to do. and Just get absolutely blackout obliterated and then draft your team. Yeah. Apparently. So anyway (laughs) – So that's what mimosas bring to here. Mimosas. Yeah. Um, And I'm sure now for uh, Rodney and Harriet, aka Rodney and Harry, I'm sure that's what Uzo does to them now because they put the Uzo down every time they hang out with the the Portacollises.
1: What is Uzo? uh,
0: It is like... it's a like, an alcohol that kind of has like a Jägermeister taste to it. It's got a licorice taste to it.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Is it like an actual liquor or liqueur?
0: Uh, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't either. Is it
0: Greek? Yes, oh. it's a, it's widely consumed in Greece in uh, Cyprus. Cyprus. Cyprus, sorry. Yep. Um, do we have...
1: But they're not from Cyprus, they're from Mikolos. Jesus, get it right.
0: So, uh, it's a 38%, so that means 76 proof. Oh. So it does not fuck around. Well,
1: if it is a liqueur, then it's a pretty damn toxic one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> 38%,
1: so it's only two percent less than like hard alcohol.
0: Like vodka, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Um also Salem Cinema is still open-ish. Um they you Google it. No, i they follow me on Twitter, Supermarket Sweep without the E in super. So S U P R Market Sweep. Um they follow me and I follow them. Um and they are showing movies in a quote unquote virtual screening room. So you can actually watch, watch independent films in their uh, virtual screen. room. basically you pay and then you get to watch it. So it's like, that's cool. Movies. So yeah, Salem cinema.com support Salem cinema. The, that's really cool. With. Yeah. So, uh, but yes, let's move on to the movie. Yes. that We haven't talked about at all. Um, <laughs> so this film uh, it's I mentioned I thought it was enjoyable when I first watched it I watched it today I thought it was enjoyable (laughs) like it's just it's just a fun light film to go through exactly Uh, just to just have a good time and hey
1: they used actual Greeks
0: uh, well (laughs) Some, some of them, some of them. Yeah. Uh, so like the Vardalis is Greek. Uh, she actually is. Oh, there's, there's plenty of little tidbits here. She's actually from uh, Winnipeg. Really? Manitoba. Yes. And so, um, and the best friend to John Corbett's character played by Ian Gomez, the bald guy. Right. He is the actual, he actually married her. So
1: Wait, kind of really?
0: Based, yeah, it was kind of based off of his experience in implementing himself into her family.
1: No shit.
0: Yeah. Uh, they unfortunately divorced uh, in 2018 after oh. 24 years of marriage. Well, technically 23. They had separated in 2017. Uh, Bardalos said that they it was an amicable one where they just had developed more of a friendship than a marriage at that point in life. So they just... Decided voice, hmm. um, but nonetheless, twenty four years. I mean, applause, applause, applause. Yeah, let's give it that far. Um, And then, uh, John Corbett got the role because he was filming Serendipity in Toronto, which is where they filmed this film.
1: That's where I remember him from.
0: Yeah, and John Corbett was telling a friend. In a bar, and I i was either overheard or the friend told someone. But John Corbett said he read this script called My Big Fat Greek Wedding, and he was so disappointed and mad that he couldn't go audition for it because he loved the script. Well, the makers of the film were already in Toronto, you know, for pre production and stuff like that, so they went up to John Corbett and offered him the role in Toronto.
1: That's pretty cool. With
0: and he was, and he immediately accepted. So that's how they got John Corbett for the film.
1: <laughs> Damn,
0: which was a huge get because you know he uh, he's he's a guy that a lot of women think is attractive. Uh, I mean, and he's he's played a lot of roles that women love the the character he's played.
1: Wasn't um, he on uh, Sex in the City too?
0: Exactly, he was Aiden in Sex in the City, that's yeah. what I am referencing. Everyone thought Aiden was too good for Carrie, and that Carrie should have ended up with him.
1: Fucking Carrie.
0: We're not going to get into that here. I'm just kidding, I never really watched Sex and the Me City. Neither. I just wanted to say <laughs> something. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to rouse the audience a little bit. <laughs> the tens and tens of listeners. <laughs> We know that we know you guys have strong feelings about Sex in the City. <laughs> um, so, as far as the film, I mean, it. I I love just the big family because it, it the big Greek the Greek aspect. I I don't necessarily have as much experience with, but like a big extended family, I do have an, uh, you know, an appreciation for. I have a lot of cousins. Um, I don't see them that often. I, I mean, I had, uh, I have three siblings, um, you know, so I i know of the big family get togethers mm-hmm. uh, Being of Mexican descent. There's a lot of, you know, Mexico flags and things oh, like yeah. that. Oh so, yeah.
1: You know, whenever
0: there's a get together and, you know, Like their own foods, like you know, there's tamales and frijoles, and like even at Thanksgiving, there's you know something Mexican happening. Oh yeah,
1: you know,
0: I'm used to those big get-togethers for everything. So yeah, I see this. It reminds me of those extended family things.
1: Yeah, if you if you look a little just slightly deeper past the surface level of the movie, where it's you know you look past the Greek elements. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of universal themes that can be applied to, I'm sure, a lot of people, and especially American families. You know, American families come in all different shapes and sizes, but Mm -hmm. there's, you know, it doesn't matter what heritage you come from. There's always, in every heritage, there's a there's some form of a big family, you know, style. It's same with same with mine. My mom's side was full italian so we grew up with there were so many similarities actually not to not to draw too many similarities between greeks and italians because i know there's a feud there and they hate admitting that they're alike but (laughs) i don't fucking know why
0: um well you know when you're here your family (laughs) choose wisely
1: yeah so uh, yeah, I think there's a I think there's a good amount of um, of universal themes in the movie. I, I I liked that. I liked remembering what what it was like to be around family that you were embarrassed by, yeah. <laughs> and, and that you didn't necessarily want to introduce someone that you loved
0: to. Yeah, just those first few dates and how she didn't want to necessarily go into it because it Her whole life she's been disciplined to think, my family's weird, I'm just going to get laughed at, I can't be bothered to tell anyone about this. This is like my dark secret because all it's going to lead to is pain if I tell other people about it. And it's going to be a slight mix of pain in that I get why they're embarrassing, but also that's my family, don't talk about them like that. So I get why she was so reticent, but you know, of course...
1: She learns to be proud of them.
0: And Ian Miller is the perfect protagonist.
1: Oh, he he totally is. I mean,
0: like, she brings that up,
1: and even he he says, (laughs) you know, he reassures her, well, okay, so your family's crazy. Who's isn't? Mm -hmm. Which is true. Like, it doesn't matter how big or small it is. Like, your family's always going to be crazy. It's all, like, that's family. They're supposed to be. If you have a normal family, I don't trust you. Something's weird. You're hiding something. There's a dark past or a secret that you're you're keeping. I don't know what it is. Yep. But if you're blatantly, obviously crazy and just loud and boisterous, I'll be intimidated as fuck by it, but at least I'll be like, all right, well, they wear their hearts on their sleeves. They're not holding anything back. It's great. I can get used to this. Yeah.
0: 100%. And so I, you know, I liked how they played the their relationship initially. Um, I what I didn't like is the first kiss.
1: Dude, the first kiss was awful. I rewound <laughs> it just so I could sit there and continue my string of ew, 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 ew. Ew, ew what is happening? Ew, ew. Yeah.
0: Like, no, what I didn't like is that this is supposed to be set in Chicago, and it's like that bridge is a really cool place to shoot this. But it's so obviously not in Chicago. It's
1: not in Chicago.
0: Because the film was written, was filmed in Toronto. Uh, we'll get back to The Kiss later when we grade The Kiss right. toward the end of the pod. But.
1: Yet another rom com in Chicago.
0: That wasn't. But this one wasn't filmed in Chicago. Well. They just. Well, they filmed bits and pieces of it. The majority of it was filmed in Toronto. I'm sure most of them are
1: filmed in Chicago. But
0: yeah, I'm just
1: I'm just amazed that uh, like Uh, I want to go back and take a stock of what percentage of the movies we've watched so far are already in Chicago, like set in Chicago.
0: I mean, like at least bits like when Harry met Sally, my big fat Greek wedding, and my best friend's wedding. There's three right there for you.
1: Well, and then there was Sleepless in Seattle starts in Chicago. True. Um, I feel like there were more.
0: I don't know if there were.
1: Whatever. Either way, I I feel anyway. like there have been more more than I thought there were would be. <laughs> when I think of rom coms, like don't you usually picture like New York as like the
0: well, yeah, of course,
1: stereotypical setting, you know? Yeah. I always think, I always feel like Chicago gets overlooked. And so now going back and watching a lot of these rom-coms, I'm like pleasantly surprised to see, oh yeah, Chicago's getting some loving. All right.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, the thing that oh, that gets me is that Chicago has a Greek area. Like they could have technically, it's the Greek area is not nearly as pronounced as Toronto. So Toronto has like a whole Greek town. Oh, do they? Yeah, which is why it was filmed there.
1: Oh, okay. Um. Well, apparently yeah. Toronto is a big uh, movie production place too.
0: Well, yeah, it's cheaper to film there, and also um, very international. Uh, but nonetheless, the <laughs> but thinking about the Greek, like the Greek aspect of Chicago, made me think about the Greek fest that used to be by your old apartment. Yeah. And because it's summertime, so it's supposed to be street festivals in Chicago, oh, except with the pandemic God. happening, all the street festivals are basically oh. been canceled this summer. So there's really nothing going on in the city this. The summer isn't isn't the same without being able to go to street festivals and drop a five dollar donation and then go drink on a street. You know oh, what I mean?
1: And I just forgotten about street festivals actually.
0: The Best part about the Greek Fest is I went there with my buddy, Nick. Shout out, Nick. Um, uh, Nick Roar, But he uh, he and I were there watching uh, the stage with, you know, a bunch of different cover bands because that's what street festivals are. The same five Chicago cover bands. festivals. <laughs> yep. The, every weekend, the same five, do the same songs. And yep. you, dance, you get drunk and you dance to them because that's what Chicago is. um, But this particular street festival was right by a a Greek church and they had, you know, Lagunitas beer, which always tasty. But there's also another one where you could buy a a glass of wine or they gave you a whole bottle for $30 with a cup on top of it. (laughs) And people were buying that. And the idea, I think, was to, you know, share amongst multiple people for $30. Like, people were literally buying the bottle, taking the cup off, taking the cork off, or I think twisting the top off because it wasn't even cork. It was that kind of wine. Like, I don't know. And then people were literally drinking straight from the bottle on the I street. Fucking love this city. And, like, yeah, so I just remember – All the basic white girls at this fucking festival (laughs) with dark purple stained lips (laughs) at 8 o'clock. Just because, like, the last cover band was, like, the boy band review. So, like, they're doing, like, NSYNC and Backstreet. Oh, God. So these white girls are screaming their heads off and dancing with these just wide stained lips. So it, all uh, the all the, the basic
1: awesome. white girls and Max, basically.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, shout out to the Greek Fest. Hopefully in twenty twenty one it makes a comeback and it's still selling bottles of wine for, for, for as a single serving to people. <laughs> uh, that was like uh, that was
1: like the um, Italian because... festival that I used to go to all the time where they would they would they would do that but with um, frozen sangria.
0: Oh, yeah. oh,
1: and that stuff snuck up on you.
0: You know, well,
1: I guess it doesn't nothing, sneak up on you if you pound an entire fucking pitcher of it, but nothing
0: yeah. says, the, nothing says the summer quite like wine.
1: No, no. Or, <laughs> or drinking in public.
0: Yeah. Here's here's a a bottle of lukewarm wine for thirty dollars <laughs> that you can drink on the street in the middle of July. And, and why red wine? Red wine
1: is not good in heat. Uh, it's, it's, like, yeah, I
0: hey, I, I'm not going to try to answer for like, the actions of others.
1: I've never consciously been like, it's an 85 degree day outside. I totally I am drinking, in the mood for red wine.
0: I was drinking beers from the fucking tap that were nice and ice cold. And I, I was just putting down IPAs with a frosty head.
1: I would have been... Yeah double fisting the fuck out of those wine bottles though. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I would have been like, give me two duct tape them in my hands. Let's play Greek fest version of Edward (laughs) 40.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Uh, Um,
0: But I don't know what else there is really to say about the film itself. Like it's a good time. I, I yeah, will say, I will say this, Aunt Fula I, I think and that's her. Vula,
1: V o u l a. I looked it up because I I had to figure yeah. out her name too.
0: Yeah, Vula. There you go. By played by Andrea Martin. Such a such a highlight of this film.
1: Like she was solid. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh, she was hilarious in this film. Um, when they're trying to convince the dad that it's his idea to have um to have uh Tula work in the uh it The uh,
1: travel traveling
0: yeah. When just the way she's like, oh woe is me. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> just the way she delivers lines
1: oh, in no. this
0: film is so fantastic and on point. I also like that at the end of the wedding she's kind of a, the the you know, she's doing what Tula's been doing for Ian, and for Ian's parents, where she's describing this is what we do, this is what we do, this is what right, we do. right. And she's kind of taking that role of, you know, the guide through the whole Greek, yeah, Greek situation. So I thought that was cool too. Uh, did you have any opinion on Aunt Bula's performance? Uh, no, I think
1: you, I think you covered it, like. Like you said, like this movie was really fun and you know light and everything, but it was it, it's light, it's easily digestible. There's not a whole lot of depth to it, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But like the characters are kind of the same way too, where it's like, you know, there's certain characters that were great to watch and fun, and we could sit here and talk about them a little bit, but it's not like you know any of them necessarily brought a whole lot to the table to really analyze. Yeah,
0: there's not a lot to unpack like right. in my best friend's wedding. My best friend's wedding, there's a whole lot of like like why are these actions being done? You Need know, of what what is going on in like the mental <laughs> capacity of these characters that they're choosing to make these actions, yada yada blah blah. Right. This one it's it's never it's just about, oh my family's crazy and I love you. Right. And, and how do we how do we make this work? Which is which is fine. Which is Yeah, it's fine. fine. It wasn't bad. Yeah, you do not need to make a film that's like saying something. Sometimes it's nice to just have a film that you can watch for an hour and a half, smile your way through it, and then move on to whatever else you're doing in your day.
1: Right. You know but I mean? because of that we also didn't get to Like there is very little to unpack in terms of the the relationship and the romance of, you know, like, like they, they go from a few dates to saying, I love you very quickly. Um, Yeah. You know, there's, you don't get, we don't see any of that, but that's okay because they actually did a decent job of inference where it's yeah. like you don't you don't need to see all of that. It's not that important. You just kind of read into it. You assume that okay, they've gotten to this point by now. They seem pretty happy together. I'll trust them. Like, yeah. Um. Uh, and of course, I, I have to point out that as a very phenomenal protagonist, there's a reason why he is. He's a vegetarian.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Um, uh, I forgot to ask this earlier. Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, uh, what's the Rotten Tomato score for this film? Uh,
1: seventy-eight percent.
0: Close, seventy-six. Yeah, Hot Dad. <laughs> um, a. Review from the Chicago Reader by Joshua Rothkop was actually a negative review saying Second City alum, which is true, uh, Nia Bardalos stars.
1: Really? Wait, 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 wait. She's from Second City? She, w-
0: yeah, she worked or she was at Second City for a little while. No shit. And then went to California.
1: I wonder if that's why uh, she wanted to set it in Chicago.
0: Yeah. I mean, that might have had some influence. Yeah yeah instead of like setting it in winnipeg which would have probably been a tougher ask of yeah the, they're like well let's set it in american cities to give you know americans a you know a, a, you know let's make it feel more american <laughs> anyway. let's, give,
1: let's give americans a fighting chance come on
0: um, they, as he mentioned the stars in this ethnic comedy which she also wrote an ambitious way to break into a leading role too bad the results are insubstantial which is not necessarily wrong but no. also you're just missing the point if you're looking for more substance
1: yeah um,
0: well this critic uh no name but it was on time out the result feels a little over egged at times and the love match lacks chemistry but Ian's whistle stop induction into a different style of language, food, drink, dress, and dancing allows a few good one-liners.
1: Yeah, there were definitely a lot of moments that I chuckled. But yeah. I don't disagree with either of those reviews that it was like you have to you have to go into it with very light-hearted, low expectations of just like kind of knowing what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Um, and then- it's, it's not a developed relationship. It's not a developed Plot line or or characters or anything. It's just very light.
0: And then there's a couple more from uh, overseas uh, as far as reviews. Jamie Russell of BBC.com uh, wrote, this will have all non-Greeks in the audience wishing they could lay claim to some Mediterranean heritage. And Peter Howell wrote of uh, the Toronto Star wrote, you don't have to be Greek to enjoy my big bad Greek wedding and that's precisely the point of it. Right, that's what it is, and that's what wedding season and weddings are all about. It's about, right, it's about going somewhere and having the opportunity to turn off your brain and celebrate. Yeah, be part
1: of something bigger and different than what you're used to.
0: Yeah, and just saying yes to whatever comes up. Say that yes, you can't necessarily say yes to. <laughs> and this film is that it's a 90 minute you you're attending the wedding with everyone else you're just having this time of just getting to know these people and it's one of those things where you'll be telling people about it years from now i went to this one party where it was a, actually a greek wedding shit was crazy <laughs> like just oh like, yeah i've been to you've been to a greek wedding no that's i'm that's what i'm saying this movie feels like
1: oh 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 gotcha <laughs>
0: As an audience member, you feel like you've been to a Greek wedding and you tell people about it afterward. Like, I went to this Greek party this break, <laughs> and this shit was crazy. Like, this lady told me she had a twin attached to her.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did actually go to a Greek wedding once. and
0: oh, shit. How was that?
1: It's not very different from the movie. The, the ceremony alone takes, like, I don't know, maybe three to four years i would say (laughs) (laughs) it is so fucking long i thought catholic ceremonies were long holy hell greek orthodox like i don't even know what i witnessed and like i laughed so hard there was a comment i don't even remember who said it now in the movie but oh it was the parents it was uh ian's parents yeah. Said, I don't even know what's it was his mom I don't even know what's happening or I, or I can't even do you know what's happening or whatever it's that's totally right all of it yeah. is virtually in greek i guess
0: well and then yeah that's when the dad says it's all greek to me
1: yeah
0: uh 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 fucking
1: out. white bread yacht club bastards would say like
0: that.
1: <laughs> I didn't think that was funny um uh but
0: i I did laugh at that
1: (laughs) i did too (laughs) that's why the anger came out of my comment i was angry at myself for laughing at that
0: i understand understand.
1: um but uh yeah it's 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 very accurate The, the the ceremony i think took like two and a half hours realistically and it was i wasn't even standing in the wedding party i was just you know i was thankfully sitting i couldn't even imagine what it would have been like to be in that wedding party i feel like they had to draw straws for that where it was like okay which one of you unlucky sons of bitches is going to stand up there with me (laughs) but um and, and there's like a billion different like weird little um i shouldn't say weird very interesting and 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 unique little i guess traditions that they have to go through during the ceremony it's not just you know like a the typical american kind of you know christianized wedding where you just get up there you listen to the priest or you exchange vows or whatever and then you give the rings and then you're done there's like all these different little working pieces they have to do like lighting of certain candles and like like they did in the movie where they have to walk around, they have to well, they had to take their first steps together, but even that's like its own little separate ceremonial event within the ceremony. It's really it's really interesting. There's a lot of a lot of differences. I I, I highly encourage anyone who is even remotely interested in any sort of cultural understanding. If you want to understand a culture on a very surface level, quick you know 101 type understanding investigate their wedding rituals and their death rituals i've always found that as like a great way to just quickly understand like a culture on a surface level because there are so many cool little like idiosyncrasies in in that that differ but then there's like a common ground between all the cultures, you know, everyone kind of like celebrates love and death the same way, but with all these different twists to it, it's, it's, it's cool. But I don't recommend getting married in a grief or church unless you want to stand there for a good, you know, a <laughs> few hours, get definitely get some Dr. Scholes for that.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Good to know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know full well about Catholic masses. Mass mm. and uh yeah those are yeah tiring. right um, yes so let's go ahead and move on to the kiss of the film all right the kiss of the film is that first kiss on that bridge which is not in chicago but it is a nice setting it is um i think the dialogue leading up to the kiss is nice he calls are beautiful she's taken aback that someone has called her beautiful because once again, I don't think in her life, someone has told her she's beautiful. Yeah. Which is stupid tough. And and honestly, it's a true thing with big families like that, especially mm-hmm. with families that are so stemmed in the patriarchy, which is something I liked about the writing, how the women would make, the men feel like they've decided on something, but really is the women kind of turning the screws. Right. And, and it was like, obviously the women are the heart and the moving voice of the family. While the dad is kind of just the figurehead sort of thing. Um, and that was the case here. Uh, so, I mean, and because of that, like, as, you know, Tula puts it in her narration, you know, she's just there to be a Greek breeding machine.
1: Yeah.
0: A breeding and feeding machine. Um, And so someone tells her she's beautiful and she's taken aback by it. And then he kisses her to kind of, you know, implement that. That's all well and good. The setting's well and good. The kiss itself is very movie stage kiss. Like, it's just... Lips are touching. There's a little bit of head movement, Mm -hmm. but there's nothing happening on the mouth. Like just nothing happening.
1: I also noticed that I don't, I don't know if it was unique to this kiss or if this is just the first time that I've seen a kiss from that vantage point, but he like tipped his head. So you can only see the underside of his lip and it was so weird looking like that's all i kept staring at i swear to god if you go back and rewatch it it is it is such a gross looking kiss because all you can see is like the underside of his bottom lip and the way it stretches out and puckers to meet her lips and i guess maybe the lighting on it is is emphasizing it or something i don't know but I'm sitting there just going, "It looks like fish. This is gross. I feel <laughs> like I'm watching an, a deep sea dive or something." So yeah, I agree. The context of it was great. Well, it was it was good. It wasn't great.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would personally give it a C, just a just an average C. Because I get why the kiss looked the way it did. It's just, you know, a couple bad choices of the angle. But, like, I don't know how many angles you can get off of that particular bridge. Right. It doesn't look like it's easiest to film on. Um, and then on top of all that, um, just, you know, I, I feel like having a stage background probably affects the, the kissing between the two of them as well.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think I'd give it a, I'd give it some sort of C. I'm debating whether I want to give it a C minus. I don't know. We'd have to ask Ian Miller as the teacher. (laughs) He would know.
0: Well, also, you know, we don't know when it was filmed because, like, the making out scenes that they had in the car seemed a lot more fun and comfortable between them.
1: Yeah, those were fun scenes. I'm glad they implemented those.
0: Yeah, those were fun scenes, and I feel like it might have been where that they filmed it in chronological order, where the first kiss was a little more awkward, just because it was a legit first kiss. But then once they got familiar with acting and working together, then they could do the, the make-out scenes and have fun with those.
1: There was a there. Now that you bring that up, there was a scene that I laughed at that reminded me of something that very similar happened to me as well. <laughs> Do you? Okay. So you remember the scene where they're sitting in the car. It's one of the the later scenes of the, uh, during the compilation of car kisses. Uh, yeah. But it's the one where she keeps pulling away to leave and keeps saying goodbye. And he keeps pulling her back.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And then she just like, all she keeps saying is goodbye. But she says it softly. Like, I don't want to leave, but at the same time I need to. Yeah. And like, I'm going to be that kind of a tease where I'm just going to be like, let's take this slow. But then it's like, as soon as he pulls her back in, she's all about it and then like pushes away again. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you remember Rachel? Yes. That, yeah, that, that, that happened. That was that thing, (laughs) but it was even more awkward because it was in my mom's house
0: I think we've talked about this story before we'll leave it off okay. <laughs> we'll leave it where it lies uh, but we've talked about that
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> the same day happened.
0: oh the beers are coming up anyway <laughs> um, what happens after ever after well the work was done for us Um in 2016, they made a sequel to this film. Okay. They're now a daughter who was six at the end of this film. uh, Or five or six, whatever the case may be is now 18 and about to head off to college. And she wants to kind of get away from her family but she's also, you know, the family and yada, yada. So that's one of the plot points. The other plot point is that uh, the dry cleaners and the travel agency have closed down because of the recession. Mm.
1: So,
0: um, but uh, what's his face? Ian is the principal of their daughter's school. So they're still able to like survive and everything. Um, but nonetheless... Like, it's just about uh, Tula and Ian kind of getting through their marital issues at the time, just being married for as long as they've been married. Um, And then they find out also that Gus and Maria, their uh, marriage certificate wasn't signed by the priest. So technically their union isn't official. (laughs) And so the second wedding... Is between Gus and Maria, um, and so hijinks ensue. Things happen, and the daughter decides to go to NYU. There you go.
1: Cool. Um, Editing.
0: Yeah, it was made for a budget of 18 million and made 90 million. So even yeah. after it came out in 2016, so 14 years after the original film, not a lot of like heat on it. Rom-coms and movies like this have definitely, like, kind of gone by the wayside. No one's going to theaters anymore in 2016. And here it came, making $90 million. Yeah.
1: That's still pretty impressive.
0: That's, yeah, extremely impressive. And there's been no writing done, but Mia Bardalos did say she had an idea for a third. So.
1: 2016? Holy hell. So it's 14 years after
0: the original was released. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, kudos to Nia Vardalos like she deserves the success that she got. This like it's a well-written play, movie, like just all of that and she acts well in it. You know, kudos to her. Like Yeah. It's good shit. Um so We'll get to let's get to the verdict of the film. What do you what's your verdict?
1: I'd fuck it. It's a solid fuck. It's definitely worth watching. It's uh, you don't you're not going to get any less or any more than very, you know, middle of the road expectations. It's it's solid, but it's not going to blow your mind.
0: I agree. It's a solid fuck and it's going to be a fun time. Just yeah, watch it. Enjoy it. And when you're done. Continue hit up with life exactly so, yeah i agree so
1: it's actually a uh, nice little reprieve during our stretch of uh wedding movies which <laughs> set the bar high with wedding crashers and then plummeted on a fucking nosedive
0: <laughs> after after well, that i mean my best friend's wedding was a fun one honestly
1: it was fun but even in that we found a lot of stuff to
0: like, that's why it was fun, because there's just a whole lot to talk about. Like, it's, it's just, it's its own animal. Uh, but then as far as the wedding planner, that was. Dear God. That was shit. And then, and then, like, four weddings and a funeral, the uh, <laughs> uh, uh, um, Anyway.
1: I, so, I, I started re-listening to the our episode about that about uh, the wedding planner actually and i was laughing at how much we pick it apart
0: (laughs) oh god it it, it deserved it it did uh yeah it passed 13 going on 30 is the worst film i've seen on this podcast really yeah all right so so that's that's what has the the award right now i'm glad i can uh, provide (laughs) so for now uh, we'll have you uh, give us your opinions on our socials. Uh, once again, my Twitter is supermarket sweep without the e in super, so that's S U P R market sweep. Um, my Instagram is relusa eighty eight, and that's R E L U S A eighty eight. And then our show, we have a Twitter, Bro the Stone Pod, so at Bro the Stone Pod, or uh, our Instagram, which is BromancingTheStonePodcast. the Stone Podcast, all one word. Uh, we have a Instagram as well. And then Max.
1: My Instagram is the lionhearted. T-H-E period. L-Y-O-N-H-E-A-R-T-E-D.
0: Perfecto. And then we finish off wedding season next week with a movie that you chose. You technically chose before I chose this one, but because it's um, when this episodes coming out and the name of the movie, we're doing it next week. It's 27 Dresses.
1: Oh, yeah. Our first Catherine Heigl movie.
0: Yeah. So, 27 Dresses coming out on July 27th. Be on the lookout for that. My
1: God, it's already almost August.
0: I know. What the fuck? (laughs) But until then, to the tens and tens of listeners, we love y'all and thank y'all for listening. And we will catch you on the next one. Peace out.
1: Love you guys.